All right. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles. If not, there should be some in the backs of the seats there. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 1 uh, tonight. And we're going to be talking about this idea, like I said a minute ago, that we, if you say you are a disciple of Jesus, then we are called. We are called for certain things, and Scripture lays out what some of those things are. Can we turn the lights on in here so that everybody can see um, those overhead lights there? Ah, perfect, perfect. So in these first six verses, what Peter starts doing is he lays out some things to remind us of why we exist as individual disciples of Jesus and why we exist as a body of believers as disciples of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what we do all the time. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Follow along with me. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that as, as we dig into this tonight, God, that you will open our eyes and show us who it is you've called us to be as individuals and as a group, God. Show us what we are called to so that we can live out a life that honors you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So the, the very beginning there, the first thing that we see that we're called to is to be prepared. So imagine tonight that you go home and your parents tell you, on Friday, we're leaving on a cruise for the Bahamas. You wouldn't go? Uh-huh. <laughs> we just leave her home and everybody else can go. How many of you would actually be excited about going on a cruise to the Bahamas? Okay. All right. So, what's that? Oh, they do. Like when you go on a cruise... The, the waiter will come to your table and say, you know, you can have this meal or you can have this meal. And you can look at him and say, I want both. And they'll bring it to you. It's amazing. There's endless ice cream, all kinds of stuff. So you come back from a cruise like 15 pounds heavier than you went because there's all this food. But if you went home tonight and your parents said, hey, Friday, we're leaving, you would need to get prepared, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, after you got done Snapchatting everybody that you were going on a cruise and putting it on Instagram and showing your full suitcase or empty suitcase, whatever it is, you're going to be running around because you've got to prepare. You've got to be ready for that experience because when you get an opportunity to do a trip like that, there's a lot of different things to experience. So you want to be prepared to experience all of those things. And we get excitement so that we run around and we grab our clothes and our swimsuits and all of this different stuff because we want to be ready. And yet, sometimes as disciples of Jesus, there's certain things that God calls us to and to be ready for, and yet we don't prepare ourselves. And that's exactly what Peter's talking about tonight. He's saying as a disciple of Jesus, we've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to get ourselves ready for all of the things that God wants to do through us and wants to teach us 
as we draw closer to him through his word. And that's exactly what he's talking about here at the beginning of chapter 4. And what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through, we'll, we'll speed it up a little bit, but in verse 1, we're just going to slow down and, and look at what each part of that verse is talking about. Right there in 1 Peter 4, 1, the very first three words says, then, since therefore Christ. Now, anytime we start like in the middle of a book or at the beginning of a chapter that's not the first chapter, we've got to remember that the writer has already been talking about some other things. So Peter, when he writes those first couple words there, since therefore Christ, he's talking about this idea that, that everything that you do, if you, if you profess Jesus as Lord of your life, which, by the way, he is Lord of your life, even if you've not acknowledged it, Jesus is Lord, period, because Scripture tells us one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It says that, that if, if you actually profess that, though, and you know that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, then, then what you do and who you are falls under those first three words. That means every part of your life is because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then he goes on there in verse 1, he continues, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. This is where Peter is echoing what he just finished writing in chapter 3. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. He's saying, if, if you say you're a disciple, then you can't ever forget this, that Christ suffered in the flesh, that Christ gave up his life, put his body on a cross for you and I. That he stepped out of eternity, stepped into humanity, and took that punishment that Scripture says is owed to every one of us as a sinner. When we see verses like Romans 3.23, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we have to remember that if we're disciples of Jesus, we fall in that all right there. Every single one of us. Every single person that's ever lived, every single person that ever will live, everyone that's alive right now, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've got to remember Romans 6.23 where it says, for the wages of sin is death. That is something that we all deserve. But then that verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So every single person that says they're a disciple says that they've taken that free gift. They've put their faith and their trust in Jesus. We've got to remember that what Jesus did, the, the beating that he endured before he went to the cross. The pain, the humiliation, those nails that were driven into his hands, his feet, the struggle that he had to breathe, the, the literal suffocation on his own bodily fluids. He basically drowned hanging on the cross. Scripture tells us that if we claim to be disciples, we've got to remember that. That's a harsh reality that we can't forget because it was done for each and every person that's put their faith and trust in Jesus. So before we get into all of these other things of what we're called to, we've got to make sure that's the mindset we have. In fact, that's how Peter continues that verse. He says, suffered in the flesh. Because of that, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Peter's saying here that, that since Christ suffered in this manner, then we need to arm ourselves with that same way of thinking. That means we need to get our heads into the idea that there's going to be times where we need to be prepared and there may be suffering that comes with that. Some of you guys in here, I've heard you talk about or I've seen you play airsoft. How many of you played airsoft before? Okay, is airsoft fun? 
<laughs> Some are like, yes. Yeah. like, no. Does it hurt? Yeah, yeah, sometimes it depends on where you get hit. Now, I've, I've seen some of you guys play, and I've seen how you prepare. I've seen masks put on and helmets and camo and shoes and long sleeves, and you check your guns and you make sure you're ready. You get yourself prepared because you don't want to get hit because you know it hurts. I still remember the first time I actually played paintball. I went out with a buddy of mine, and I didn't know anything about paintball. I went out to play paintball, and... And I get out there, and I start playing, and I didn't know that you can get, like, protective gear. I'm in, like, a t-shirt and just a pair of pants running around with a mask. And the first time I played, both of my hands, I got hit on the knuckles probably two or three times. And, I mean, broke the skin, bleeding, everything. So, you know what I did before I played the next time? I went and bought a pair of gloves. And I'm not talking just like, I went and got gardening gloves. I went and got the paintball gloves that had the, the half fingers so you could still pull the trigger and feel everything. But then it had the hard plastic for, that covered the entire back of your hand and came all the way up those fingers. So the next time I got hit, I was prepared. I was ready for that pain because I didn't want to feel that again. And see, this is the same kind of thinking that, that Peter is talking about right here. He's saying, you know things are coming. God has things for you in your life, and you need to get yourself ready. You need to have that mind of Christ who put himself in the position to suffer for us. We need to know that things are going to come in our lives, and we need to be prepared for those things. And actually, if you go through Scripture and you see over and over again, there's different people that talk about this. Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about putting on the full armor of God preparing yourself because you're in a spiritual battle every single day. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is talking about in those chapters in Ephesians and in, in Romans chapter 12, he's talking about arming yourselves spiritually, physically, so that you are ready when attacks come against you. Because it's, it's going to happen. We live in a world every single day that tells you how you should live. And most of those ways it tells you how you should live are not ways that honor God. It'll tell you, the world will tell you, different people will tell you how you should believe. They'll tell you what God is and who God is and how God is supposed to interact with you. And yet not once do they ever look at God's word to know the answers to those questions. That's why you and I, if we claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to be prepared and we've got to arm ourselves the way that Scripture tells us to arm ourselves. And then Peter continues in verse 1. We'll finish that one out. It says, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as a follower of Christ, are we supposed to experience suffering? We will. Every single one of us will. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ, that doesn't mean you automatically have a pass to an easy life. I, I've heard, I mean, you've, maybe you've heard this phrase before. There's people who will preach the health and wealth gospel. As soon as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's going to bless you. You're not going to have money problems. You're not going to have health problems. Life is going to be good. And yet, Scripture doesn't teach that. When you look at Scripture, you see time and time again that the people who followed Christ or followed God in the Old Testament, they still suffered. They still had problems in their life. And they still battled with sin on a daily basis. 
There are some people who will take this verse that says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There are some that believe that if you suffer enough for your faith, there comes a point in your walk with Christ that sin is no longer a problem for you. That temptation is not an issue in your life, that you will no longer sin. You'll you'll be perfected right here, right now in this body. And yet scripture tells us that we will never have that ability or that experience until we're standing before God. In fact, you look at somebody like Paul. Paul suffered for Christ, didn't he? Paul suffered for his belief. If you read the account of Paul, you see things where where Paul was shipwrecked and Paul was beaten and Paul was stoned with rocks and Paul was imprisoned and Paul was bitten by a snake. And he did all of these things while he was preaching the gospel and telling people about Jesus. But he still struggled with sin. He was never free from it. That's why he writes in uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Paul was a man that pursued Christ, and yet Paul still wrestled with sin on a daily basis. So the people that would tell you, hey, that verse means that one day you'll stop sinning, the only day that you're going to stop sinning is the day that you stop breathing. And we've got to make sure we understand that. That's why it's so important that we've got to press into Christ every single moment of every single day. He has got to be the focus of our lives. And then Paul goes on to elaborate what we're called to be. We're called to be prepared, but he also says here we're called to be different. Your life as a believer should look different than the people who don't profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Look at what he writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 2. He says, So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. What he's saying right there is when you, when you ask God for forgiveness of your sins, you enter into a new life. And you have the opportunity now to pursue God's will for your life. And it is better than anything you could ever come up with. Trust me. But he's talking about how some people still follow those, those human passions. And what he's talking about there are all of those things that, that are pleasing to our, our, our flesh, our bodies. Not our mindset on Christ, but what what satisfies us right here, right now, in the moment. And not all of those are bad things. Some of those things God has designed to be good for humans to experience. What happens is we take those good things out of the context that God created them for. And when we do that, those things have been misused. and, And we use them for our temporary gratification right here, right now. Instead of a way to honor and grow closer to God. That's what he's talking about when he says that phrase, flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And he goes on to explain some of those human passions that he's talking about in verse 3. Look at what he says there. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Now that's, that's an important verse for us for several reasons. First of all, it reminds us who Peter's writing to. We didn't start here when we, when we started looking at this passage here, but if you go back and you look at, at verse 1 of chapter 1, Peter tells you he's writing to exiles in the dispersion, 
in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, if you're not sure what that means, that they're exiles of the dispersion, when, when Jesus was crucified, government started coming after believers trying to stomp out Christianity. And in doing so, what they actually did is they scattered the Christians. So they actually had the opposite effect. They wanted to go after the Christians and scatter them and disperse them and make sure they couldn't share Christ anymore. But by doing what they did, those Christians that scattered began to share the gospel of Jesus. And those Christians began to introduce other people to Christ and more and more people believed. So when Peter's writing here, he's writing to some of those believers that were scattered during that time. But the places he named, those aren't traditionally Jewish places. So the people he's writing to that are reading this the most are people who have been introduced to Christ, but they're not of the Jewish nationality. Which means the lifestyle they've grown up in has not been one of, of a religious structure that told them to act in a certain way. And he's telling them now, hey, if you profess Christ now, the way that you used to live, the things that you used to think were okay, those things don't honor God. In fact, those things do the exact opposite. And the same thing holds true for us today. Because let's be real. Our world hasn't changed a whole lot since the first century. A lot of the stuff that he names here and a lot of stuff that isn't named here was happening then. It still happens today. We've just gotten better about hiding some of it and more bold about putting some of it out in the open. It's the same struggles that we have. Those, those actions listed here in verse 3, they're, they're nothing new to us. But as disciples of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, those things should not define who you are. You should not be known by those things that don't honor God because we're called to represent Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And we're called to be witnesses to those people who don't know him and in doing that, we have to make sure we don't get pulled into those things. I, I had friends in high school that would go to the parties every single weekend. They'd wear their Jesus t-shirt and they're going to go and they're going to be a witness and they're going to tell everybody about Christ. I can't name you one of those friends who didn't slip into doing what everybody else was doing that didn't honor Christ. I, I heard a phrase this week and, and heard it repeated several times. I think Mr. Corey is the ones that said it. it said, don't just your, don't, was it don't set yourself on fire to keep your friends warm? Don't, don't fall into the junk that they're doing that doesn't honor God because you're trying to reach them. You've got to make sure you try to reach them, but you keep yourself apart from the things that they're participating in that don't honor God. Because our lives are supposed to look different. And, and when you look at this, he goes on in verse 4 and he helps us understand this a little bit more. He says, with respect to this, with respect to these things in verse 3, they're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. When you decide to stay back from those desires of the flesh, those things that will bring you temporary pleasure but don't honor God, it's going to surprise people. What, what, what do you mean you don't drink? Everybody's doing it. Come on, it's, it's just one vape that's not going to hurt you. It's, it's just pictures and videos on a screen. You're not hurting anybody. Or, hey, you're just making out. You're not having sex. It's not a big deal. People aren't going to understand if you say, hey, I'm not going to do those things that don't honor God. 
They're going to look at you and they're going to question you and they're going to want to know why you don't do those things. But when you make a commitment to follow God with your life, you choose to abstain and to step back from some of those things or all of those things that the rest of the world tells you is all right. And when you do that, those people that don't know Jesus, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand why you want to live a life that looks different. In fact, he tells us right there, that's normal to them, but they're going to malign you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to hate you. They may even come after you and try to tear down your character and your reputation. And yet we've got to be ready for that. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people don't like me. And yet scripture tells us that, that we're not exempt from people viewing us that way if we decide to live a life that honors Christ because it's going to look different and it's a hard road. That's why scripture tells us that the road in following Christ is narrow and yet the road to hell, wide open. We're called to some hard things as disciples of Jesus, but we've got to make sure that we want to live a life that honors him because when you do that, you get to do exactly what we talked about for those of you who went to camp last week. You get to shine a light in the darkness. You get to be the light of Christ in a world that does not know who he is. In fact, in John uh, chapter 3, verse 19, it says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. If you are not following Christ, you are walking in darkness. And those who are walking in darkness do not like the light. In fact, it says that they hate it because they don't want their sins, they don't want those things exposed. So I'm just warning you now. You need to know that if you decide to live a life that honors God, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you friends. It may cost you your reputation. It may one day cost you job opportunities. It may cost you relationships. Following Christ is not easy. And yet, when you decide to follow Christ, it is the most incredible thing you will ever do. And if you will pursue Him on a daily basis, it is worth every single second of your time. And one other thing we see in this verse, and, and I want you to pick up on this, it says right there, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them. The opposite of that is true as well. Sometimes if you're a disciple of Jesus and, and you're hanging around your Christian friend, we start to kind of feel pretty good about ourselves and, hey, I'm not doing the things that they're doing and, and, and we're bad about this in church. We get a little judgy of other people. And then we're shocked when people who don't know Jesus live a life like they don't know Jesus. And yet scripture tells us we shouldn't be surprised by that either. If they're surprised by your choice to follow Christ, you shouldn't be surprised by the fact that they don't follow Christ. So that's what their life looks like. That's why we're called to share Jesus with people. In fact, that's, that's the, the very next point. We're not there yet, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we are called to share the gospel with people. That's the whole point, so that other people stumbling around in darkness can know who the light is. The light of Jesus can shine into their life. They can put their faith and trust in him, and now you have the opportunity to disciple somebody else the way that you have been discipled to follow Christ. Peter continues writing here. He says in verse 5, 
He says after that, he says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That simply means each and every one of us one day will stand before God. And scripture says that we're, we're going to give an account for our life. And it's, it's God is the one that judges us. And we need to remember that each and every day that God is the one that we answer to. Not the people that are giving you a hard time because you follow Christ. Not the people that are questioning you and wanting to know why in the world you would choose to live your life the way that you do. The only person we have to answer to is God. And if we are living a life that honors him, everybody else will be taken care of. Then he goes on here in this last verse. He says, we are called to share the gospel. 1 Peter 4, 6. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is why we're here tonight. This is why we have church on Sunday. This is why we go out and serve in our community. This is why we go out on trips and serve in different countries. This is a primary reason of why we exist as a church. To share the gospel and to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. And that's exactly what Peter is saying right there. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you have the opportunity to tell people about who Jesus is. To tell people that, that he is God, that he submitted himself to God to be born in the flesh, to die on a cross and yes, that is possible for him to pay that penalty for our sin because he is God in the flesh, remember? We have a hard time wrapping our minds around that, but you've got Jesus, 100% man, just like you and me. Emotions, thoughts, feelings, all of those things, temptations, and yet you've also got Jesus, 100% God. Our minds can't really grasp that, but Scripture tells us that is the fact of what it is. And because he is God in the flesh, he is the only one that ever lived a life without sin. He's the only one that could be the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty that's owed for my sin and for your sin. And we have the opportunity to tell everyone about that. Scripture tells us all of creation was made through him and for him and is supposed to bring honor and glory to him. And sometimes we hear that phrase and we think, yeah, that's cool. And we've got this really big out there picture when that needs to come down to, that's what my life's supposed to be about. I'm called to live a life that honors God. I'm called to press into him through his word and understand what he wants to do in and through my life. I'm called to reach out to other people. And the same thing is true for every one of you that's put your faith and trust in Jesus. We are called to a road that is not easy. We are called to a life that will have struggles, and we see it right there. But that is a life that God will honor when we put our faith and our trust in him and we pursue him. So my question for you tonight is, are you answering the call with your life? Are you pursuing him every moment of every day? And that's in the little things, not just the big things. We're actually going to get into that next week. We're going to talk about this idea that everybody says, hey, I want you to do big things for God. And you absolutely can. But we need to understand, in order to do big things for God, we've got to be doing the little things for God. Because God takes those little things and he makes them big. That's what he's calling us to every single moment of every single day. Are you answering that call? If you're not tonight, 
You can. You can start right here. You can start right now and say, from this moment forward, I'm going to do everything I can to pursue Christ and live a life that honors Him. And guess what? These are the people God has put in your life to help you do that. The people that are sitting around you, the people that are sitting in different seats than they've ever sat in before in this room. And some of you, we've been in here for a year and you are in a different seat than you've ever been in before. And that's awesome. And I'm encouraged by that. God has given you this group to pull and push you closer to Him on a daily basis. When you are doing great, this group to celebrate you. When you are struggling, this group to come around you and lift you up and encourage you. Are you answering that call tonight? You answer that question for yourself. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for your word so that we can know you and know him. And God, I pray right now for every single one of us in this room. God, help us to be who you've called us to be as disciples. God, help us to do the things that are hard. Help us to, to follow you each and every day and make those decisions that are not always the popular decision, God, but it's because that's what you've called us to. Help us to prepare ourselves mentally, physically, to live a life that honors you, God. Help us to be ready when you're ready to use us in those small things each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.